may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. spent a lot of time struggling and striving and trying and a lot of times the Lord just tells us to worship him amen and that's what God wants us to do there's so much power in worship I know Misha was sharing with me she knows that when you're going through something sometimes you just have to allow God to wash over you and stand there and worship it's a big part of what we're going to be doing in heaven right <laughs> so we need to get used to it here our youth and our leaders have been away for a week in camp in Dallas. Amen. They had a great time. So many stories they're going to share with us over the next week or two. Um, some of them, I'm sure, aren't here. It was a long week. How many of you have been on a road trip this summer already? How many have been on a road trip with teenagers? Yeah, these guys have. <laughs> they had a great time, but it was seven days with 30 youth together. So it was good, high energy, but I'm sure everybody needs a rest now and kind of absorb what they learned uh, while they were gone. So I want to welcome you if you're visiting today. We don't always set up all this food every Sunday, just so you know, but in the summer, the first Sunday of the month is uh, Picnic Sunday. And so we invite everybody to stay. Of course, there's no charge, but it's a great time to get to know one another uh, in a deeper way and spend time, meet new friends, hang out with some old ones. So we encourage you to stay after that, after the service today. There's always plenty of food and uh, plenty of talk going on. So the, that's the first Sunday of every month. I got a couple of quick announcements here. Um, oh, Michael reminded us that it didn't make the bulletin, but next Sunday after church is our uh, business financial meeting. And so we encourage people to come and stay. The finances of the church are always open to everyone. You can always get a copy of where your, our money is going, how it's being spent. And that's something that we'll vote on as a congregation next um, Sunday. Are we going to vote on it or just talk about it? We're going to actually vote on it. July is our fiscal year. And so I encourage you, if you're interested in that, to stay after. You can ask questions and um, the the pastor elders will be sure and answer those for you then the other thing we have coming up soon is july 11th wednesday night we're going to start a four-week wednesday night service here at the church 6 30 um, on the holy spirit we all need the holy spirit amen let's get excited about that there's uh how many of you ever heard of chris hodges He's got the biggest church in America, <laughs> surpassing Lakewood, Joel Osteen. Well, he's from Alabama, Church of the Highlands, and uh, he's got several satellite campuses there, I think 70 or 80, something like that. It's just exploding. But he teaches about the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, in such simple terms, southern terms, I might add, with his accent. But so we encourage you, it's for men, women. Young people, anybody that wants to be a part of that will have child care on that night starting July 11th. 
that's a week from this July. And uh, we'll meet here in the sanctuary and just, you will have tables and groups. We'll watch a video with him and then we'll have a time of discussion. So I encourage you to come to that. It's only four weeks. And then after that, we'll take a little break and then start again in the fall. Um, we're going to take up our offering and prayer request in just a minute. If you uh, have a prayer request on your bulletin, there's a tab that you can fill out. But right before we do that, Jordan is going to share with us. He's our current worship leader along with so many others that help, and uh, he's going to share what's coming up for him. I'm current because I just got fired. I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. That is not true. <laughs> How was worship this morning? Good? Good. I'll tell you, I can play, like, the guitar and sing all day long, not break a sweat. I go in the drum cage, and I'm, like, soaked right now. It is awful. It's hot in there. It's hotter than Dallas, and we were, like, oh, my gosh. Uh, but so we just came back from camp. It was a great experience. Um, we, I think we worship. I was trying to count into my head. I think we had like six worship times a day where we just went and worshiped. Like six times. We listened to like four sermons a day. Uh, it was intense. There were some that were like mind-blowing, some that were convicting, some that were, it was, it was awesome. It was a great experience. So our kids are all fired up and ready to go. So just thank you for Jason and the, wor and the uh, not worship team, the uh, leadership team. And just, it was great. Um, but so for my thing, I've been keeping a secret <laughs> and um, it's kind of big for me. Um, but so a couple, don't worry, the leadership knows. I'm not, I'm not like, guess what? <laughs> so a couple months ago, um, I just have, I, I, you know, graduated from Bethel and I've been hearing of that they're creating a new campus in Austin. And so um, just the Lord has kind of been speaking on my heart. I know the, the people that are kind of doing it, who are putting it up. It's a closed campus right now. They're, they're still like in the process of making it. Um, but so when we went a couple months ago to go visit my sister, um, it is right next, we, she's in San Antonio, 45 minutes away is Austin. And so on my way there, I had my dad drop me off in Austin um, with Lolly and Richard, who's, who remembers them. And um, I auditioned for the worship team in Austin at the new Bethel, the Bethel Church, and I got it. And so I am, thank you. Um, and so it's a, big, it's a big step in my life, and there's a lot that comes with it. Um, I got accepted for the wor worship team there, so I'm going to be um, worship leading, like once, it's either once a week or once every other week, um, and then I'm, not only did I get that, but I got an interning position under the head worship leader there, so I'm going to be training under him daily, you know, like spending every day with him, uh, working on my voice, work, working on worship in general, and music, and songwriting, and, and the whole, the whole 10 yards, and so what's happening right now is Josh where is Josh? Josh back there is going to be taking over the worship leader position. And it's exciting. It's going to be so good. The plan right now is for me to go get as much information as I can and run back here and, and just start implementing stuff that's working, implementing things that, um, that is really just moving. And that's the plan right now. Um, but just a word, you know, for leadership and just positions like this is... Um, when Jesus found his disciples, he didn't go for the most talented. He didn't go for the, the rabbis or the priest or the people that were already up there. He went for fishermen. He went for people that are willing to serve. 
And that's what catches my eye more than anybody. And I think that as a church, we should be focusing on that, is we're not trying to go out and, and find these amazing, you know, $100,000 people to bring in here and start blowing this place up. It's no, we should be training the people that want to serve in our body right now. Amen? Jesus isn't looking for talented over the faithfulness. That's the word I got for you today. If you're faithful, he's going to use you. If you say, I will drop my net and follow you, then he will take you. But you got to drop your net. Amen? Let's get ready to take up our offering. Oh, yeah. I forgot. No, no, come up. It's okay. Um, I'm leaving in August. At the very end of August, our good person, Greg Ashball, that grew up here, is getting married. I'm his best man. Right after that, I'm out of here. For nine months, it's a nine months, it's like a school year, and then I'll be back. All right? All right, good. Well, thank you guys. You guys are amazing. Every, all of that. Let's just bow our heads and pray. Well, Father God, uh, we just thank you for just what you're doing in the light, Father, the way that you're moving, the way that your spirit is just ministering, God. You have a movement here in Santa Fe. You have a movement here in New Mexico, Father, and we ask that you bring it through the light, Father, that you start with the light, Father, that we can pour out your spirit, Father, that will listen to you, that will obey you, Father, and that we won't be ashamed of anything, God. And so I pray that as, as congregants, as, as sons and daughters, we stand up, we, we move, God, and we do what you ask us to do, God. We put, our, put down our nets and follow you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. They told me earlier, they said he's 80% deaf in one ear and completely deaf in the other one. He calls this one his good, bad ear and the other one his bad, bad ear. Cover up that other ear. Cover up your other ear. Uh, uh, yeah. In Jesus' name, command these ears to open right now. Deafness, I curse you and command you get out. In Jesus' name, ear open now. Spirit of deafness, I command you get out now. Jesus' name. Now. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Jesus. Jesus loves you. He goes, hey, I, I, more than my hearing, I want something that's real. I don't want something that's fake. I've lived and known fake for too long. I don't want that. I said, man, I said, well, Jesus is authentic. The gospel is authentic. And so we're just sitting there praying for him and praying for him and not seeing breakthrough at first. Father, I thank you that from this day forward, these ears open in Jesus' name, complete wholeness and hearing. God, I thank you in Jesus' name that deafness leaves this man. That 100% healing complete from this day forward, these ears will hear. In Jesus' name. Can you hear me? Ah, that's way better than before. Amen. Way better. I, Amen. I don't have to be perfect. I know, but I want, I want your ears to get better because Jesus paid the price for you to be completely healed of hearing loss. He paid the price for us to be healed of all of our sicknesses and all of our diseases. He paid the price, not me. He did. So I'm just trying to give him the reward of his suffering. 
But right now my ears are still kind of popping. I don't. Are they popping right now? Like Rice Krispies kind of. Uh, <laughs> Is that normal? No, no. Jesus, thank you that all this popping and cracking would go. In Jesus' name, deafness, I command you, let him go now. In Jesus' name, right now, ears open. In Jesus' name, brand new, brand new. God, thank you. In Jesus' name, open. In Jesus' name, In Jesus' name. Can you hear this? Yeah. yeah. Did you see that, Evan? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I can hear, but now I can't talk. <laughs> you can hear, but you can't talk. <laughs> Jesus, thank you. <laughs> thank you, God. Thank you for healing and healing. <laughs> Yay, God! Yay, God! <laughs> I haven't cried in 20 years since my dad died. I cried all my tears out at his funeral. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus' name. He says, I haven't cried in 20 years since my dad died at my dad's funeral. And I'm not, I wasn't going to cry ever again. But I'm crying now. These are good cry, good cry. I snapped my fingers again. He cried harder. Snap, snap, snap. I could hear it. I could hear it. And so his deaf ear opened up. It's just so beautiful. Snap, it's never sounded so I love you too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I could pay someone to snap beside me all afternoon. <laughs> this is awesome. This is real. The real. This is real. That's right. Fake stuff don't come from That's Jesus. That's right. No, it doesn't. Jesus is the one. He's the real deal. It's the authentic gospel. He's the one that opens the ears. He's the one that opens the eyes. Yeah. And heart. And hearts. And enables a man that hasn't cried for 20 years to cry. It, it terrified me. I, I can't witness to people. Yeah. Effectively. Yeah. I go to grocery stores and the lady says hi and I say plastic. That's Jesus. That's good. Amen. <laughs> and so now you're going to be able to witness. Severely. Severely. You're going to terrify the devil every day. I plan on it. He got the real authentic gospel. God touched him, healed his ear, and the first thing he says out of his mouth is that I'm going to be an amazing witness. Why do we get endued with power? So that we can be an amazing witness. And this guy like immediately confessed it. I just love it. He said, I came here to this school not believing this stuff. He goes, but this thing changed my life. Like, it's changed the way that I see. Now it's changed the way that he hears. And so he's going to go out there and give the devil a bad day. I just love it. That's what happened. He hasn't cried in 20 years. <laughs> he said, let's go out and hear some stuff. Go listen to stuff. I love you. Bless you.
Good morning, everyone. I, I got a green light. That means go, right? All right, guys doing okay? I tell you what, why don't you, uh, let's just take a moment, stand up, and go to the person to your left and to your right. Welcome one another here for just a second, and we're going to get into the message. Welcome, everyone. God bless you guys. Way back there in the bleachers. I see you guys. <laughs> I'm going to bring my pulpit back one of these days and just kind of park it right there in front of you guys, okay? Would that be all right? <laughs> all right, great. So last week, uh, man, we had an awesome service last week. If you weren't here, we had 19 people that got baptized. 19 people. Come on, let's show, I got a little slideshow here for you. Let's kind of run through that real quick. Check this out. This is awesome. All right, yeah. Gigi. Justin. Cameron. I, you know what? I didn't. I just these are photos that some of you sent me. I didn't. You know, I didn't take these. So. Anyway, great job, great job, and it was an awesome, awesome weekend, awesome weekend. So yeah, let's give them a hand. You know, welcome them into the kingdom. So last week, I'm just going to kind of pick up on the heels of what we were talking about last last week. We were talking about promises of God. And that all of the promises, the Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen. That's what the uh, Corinthian scripture says. But we looked at a passage of scripture from uh, Deuteronomy, or excuse me, Exodus chapter 6. I'm going to read it again. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. And he says that uh, this is God you know, trying to get the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he says, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. Notice what he says he's going to do. I will free you. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a mighty act of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. And so uh, he talks about, uh, we, we talked about last week about the four cups um, during Passover, the Passover meal that, you know, it all started. These four promises, these are four promises of God. And all the other promises in the Bible are based on the foundation of these four promises right here. The first promise was um, the promise of salvation. That's still a promise today. God wants to save his people. Second promise was a promise of deliverance. Third promise, when, these also relate to the cups of wine. First cup of wine was the, you know, the cup of salvation. Second cup was the cup of deliverance. Third cup was the cup of redemption. And then the cup of praise where God has his people. He has a people, a people today. We are called to be a people of God, the people that offer worship and praise to him. 
And so I just want to pick up on, on the promises of God. And, you know, uh, and some of you, you know, if we're here, and, and I know how this is. I mean, I've been where you are and sitting there, and you listen to a good message, and, you know, it sounds good coming from the pulpit, and it sounds good, it looks good on paper, it looks good when you read it in the Word of God, but when you get home and you're by yourself and you're trying to live this out, and you're trying to walk this out, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, God, where are you? Where are you, Lord? And so, uh, you know, whatever you may be going through this morning, you know, maybe, you know, you've got a huge financial problem. Maybe you've got a problem in your marriage or in a relationship this morning. Maybe you don't have a relationship and that's a problem. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it can be with your children. You know, our, our, you know, as 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 much as we try and love our kids, sometimes they just go astray. And you know, it's just like God, what is going on with these kids? You know, we want to see them saved. We want to see them walking with you and and uh, walking according to the Word of God. You know, we these are things that we want to see, uh, but you know, we're not seeing it. God, and I know that you promised that. These are some of your promises. Also health, you know, we talked about, you know, the scriptures for health and finances and, um, you know, and, and relationships. And we see all of those things, the promises of God, and sometimes we just don't see them fulfilled in our, you know, just like when we want it. You know, we live in a, in a time where we're so used to getting everything that we want and we want it now. We don't want any weight at all. We just want it and we want it now. We're like that little two-year-old, you know, wah, wah, wah. All right, and you, you know, when you hear that long enough, it's like, okay, you give in. But I'm going to start in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Those are, you know, all the Old Testament patriarchs. You know, uh, you know David and um, Moses and Elijah and Elisha, Jeremiah, Isaiah, all of these great men of God. You know, we, we, it says that we're surrounded by, you know, women of God, Ruth and Esther and all of these, you know, uh, uh, Sarah, whom we're going to be talking about this morning, Mary and Martha, all of these, all these great men and women of God. It says that we're surrounded by them like a great cloud of witnesses. Uh, he says, let's throw off everything that hinders us so that uh, we are not entangled in this life. And it's so easy to be that way. You know, we live in, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys have noticed it or is it just me? You know, you get to social media and there's so much hate there and it's easy to get caught up in it. You know, it's just like you can kind of get, you know, you know, just kind of like bogged down in it, and you don't mean to. And the next thing you know, your mind is just like, you know, you're mad because somebody said something about you or somebody that you like or the party that you like, and it's just like you get caught up in that. And, you know, guys, I want to just tell you that, you know, uh, governments are messed up. I don't care which side you're on, or you're on the right or the left, the red or the blue or Republican or Democrat. They're all messed up. They're all messed up. And there's only one government that's ever going to make any sense, and that's when Jesus comes back to rule and reign for the thousand years on this world. I mean, that's the only time it's going to make sense. Until then, it's not going to make sense. And so, in the interim, while we're waiting for that, the promise of his return, in the interim, while we're waiting, the Bible says, tells us how we should wait. And Jesus said, you know, that, you know, I was sick, and I was hungry, and I was naked, and I was in prison and all these things. And so, you know, rather than getting caught up in the politics of, of, of life, you know, let's focus on the things that the Lord has called you and I to do. Let's don't get bogged down in that and all of the politics of, of, of this life. 
but because, you know, our, our home is not here. This is not our home. I mean, we're here, but we're here temporarily. And so let's focus on the things that are eternal, not the things that are going to... The Bible says this world is going to, you know, it's going to melt. It's going to burn up with the fervent heat. And God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to be there with him. We're going to be serving there with him. We're going to be worshiping there with him. So uh, let me just get on with the message. And uh, I want us to look at the life of Sarah this morning. And so I'm going to pick up in uh, Genesis chapter, I'm going to move through some of this kind of fast to uh, get to, you know, the real point that I want to make. But timelines are always so important to me. If I can figure out the timeline, it's like, you know, you've got me. But I need to know, if I get out of sync with the time, then it's just like it's messed up in my mind. I don't know how you think, but this is the way it is with me. So uh, I want us to, to, you know, get the timeline this morning. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter 12. And in Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham. And he says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Now, he was up in the kind of in the Iraq, Iran area. And uh, he says, go from your country, your people, your father's house, uh, to the land that I will show you. So he's calling him from up in the north area down to Israel to the promised land. And so Abram, notice his name is not Abraham yet. His name is Abram. He went as the Lord had told him. And Lot, that was his nephew, went with him. Now listen to this. And Abraham was 75 years old. He was 75 years old when he got the call. And it says that Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great trees of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring, that's to your children, I will give this land. And after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, and he says, don't be afraid. Uh, that's just a nice way of saying, I've got a promise for you, Abraham, and I know it's going to be hard for you to believe. And that's, this is what happens to you and I. God makes a promise to us, and sometimes it's over, we're overwhelmed by the promise. It's just like the fact that God has made the promise to us or that it's so great. And I just, you know, you guys that have heard my, my testimony um, many, many years ago when God began to speak in my life, and, and, you know, I was in bondage to drugs and all sorts of sin. And God used to say to me, he would say to me, the Holy Spirit, that's why it's so important for you guys to come to this Wednesday night class. Because there's more to life. If you've, if you've ever walked into a church and walked out of a church and thought, you know what, there's more to life than what I'm living right now. There's more to life, this Christian life, than what I've got right now. And that's what the Lord was saying to me those many years ago. He said, Ron, I want to do great things in your life. Things that beyond, beyond your imagination, beyond your wildest dreams, I want to do great things in your life, but you won't let me. You know why I wouldn't let him? Because I thought sin seemed more pleasurable than the things of God. And some of you are right in that place, that same seat that I was sitting those many years ago, and God's saying the same thing to you. I want to do great things in your life, but you won't let me. And there is a power of God. The Bible says, remember in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said to the disciples, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait there until you receive this power, the power from on high. He was talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the power of the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples, I mean, they were new, they were new men and women. Uh, they were able to witness without fear. They were able to testify the name of Jesus. They were able to do the signs and the wonders. But uh, so when God begins to call us, as he called Abraham, 
That's what he said. He said, Abraham, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm getting ready to make a promise to you, Abraham. I'm going to promise something to you. It's going to be so wild, so crazy, so out of this world that you won't believe it. And though if you told it to anybody else, they wouldn't believe it either. And that's the way it is when God shows up in our life. You know, that you, know, you may be you know, stuck in a place of sin right now. And, you know, your parents have seen you there. Your grandparents, your aunts and uncles, all your friends have seen you there. You're a drug addict. I mean, you're a hardcore drug addict. You can't get out of it. You've been that way for so many years. Maybe you've been into some kind of sexual sin. You've been there for so many years, and that's how people know you. They know you as, uh, you know, a, 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 a wild woman or a wild man or a guy that's in bondage to alcohol or drugs or pornography. That's how they know you. And God's saying, to, just like he said to Abram, he said, I'm going to give you a new name, and when I give you a new name, I'm going to give you some new DNA, and you're not going to be like that old person anymore. You're going to be a brand new person. Old things are going to be passed away, and all things are going to become new in Jesus. And that's why I tell an Abraham, or Abram at this point, he said, don't be afraid. And I'm saying that to you today. God's going to lead you on a journey. Don't be afraid of what God's going to do, because he says, you know, my plans are not to harm you. My plans are to give you a future and a hope, not to bring harm to you. So we're going to trust in the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right. That was a kind of weak, okay? Let's try that again. We're going to trust in the Lord. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. He says, don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. I'm your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And so when God promised Abraham that, uh, you know, the, this great promise, you know, Abraham's saying, you know, I mean, I'm, I, he was the richest man in the land. He had it all. And he said, but I don't have anyone to leave my estate to, my inheritance to, except my servant, Eliezer. And, uh, the Lord, and Abraham said to the Lord, you have given me no children. Now, we've already said, we've already established back in chapter uh, 12 that he said, God said to Abraham, to your offspring, I'm going to give this land. And it says, and then, verse 4, the word of the Lord came to him, this man, Eleazar, will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him aside and said, look up. He said, Abraham, I'm going to show you something. It's going to be impossible. And I know it's impossible for you to believe what I'm telling you right now but I want you to go outside at night on a, just a, you know, a moonless night, you know, when it's just absolutely dark, and I want you to look up into the heavens, and I want you to count the stars. How many of you have ever done that at night? You know, when you were younger, you just go out and try to count the stars, and, you know, you start getting, then you start getting mixed up, and I think I counted that one before, and, you know, it's just like it's crazy. You know, you just can't do it. And, you know, just think about back then, and now we've got all this incredible, we've got the Hubble telescope, and we've got all of these observatories, and even with all of that, we still can't count the stars. And he said, Abraham, you know, this is so crazy. I know it sounds crazy to you that you're going to have a son, but he said, if you look up and see all those stars, your descendants are going to be more than those stars up in the heaven. He says, and so shall your offspring be, be. And it says, Abraham believed God. I'm not sure how, how to the depth that he believed, but he believed God. He didn't know how it was going to happen. He says, but God counted his belief as righteousness to him. And then we pick up next uh, chapter 16, chapter 16. Now Sarai, um, a Abram's wife, had borne him no children, um, and she had an Egyptian slave by the name of Hagar. And so uh, she said to Abram, 
You know, I've got this figured out. I think I know what God was saying when he said that you're going to have children. He says, uh, the Lord has kept me, you know, uh, from having children. It's bad theology. You know, we're blaming God. We're only saying that, you know, God, this is your fault. I'm not having this. I, I can't have children, so it's your fault. But I've got a plan to, you know, to get this fixed so you can have a child that will inherit your estate. And she says, go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. So we're trying to help God out. And I want to tell you that many of, many of us, I've done it and you've done it. You know, we get a word from God. Now, you look in, the, um, in Daniel and uh, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, you know, uh, a gold, uh, gold, this head of gold and this breastplate of uh, silver and bronze and iron and, uh, you know, iron and the clay. And the first thing that Nebuchadnezzar does is he goes out and he builds this, this huge 90-foot-tall statue, solid gold. And, uh, you know, he's like, this is what God was saying. I, I think that this is what God was saying. That's not what God was saying at all. God was just simply saying, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, you, even though you didn't have anything to do with it, you, weren't, you were nobody when I put you in power. I put you in power. I made you who you are. You know, you're not a self-made man. I made you, and I made you the greatest kingdom of all the kingdoms that, were ever, that will ever be. And I just use this dream as an example of what you are and the kingdoms that were to follow. Nebuchadnezzar's like, oh, no, I'm the greatest. I'm going to build this gold statue. This is some, something similar to what Sarah's doing. The Lord has kept me from having children, so go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now, when this happens, remember in uh, Genesis chapter 15, we read that Abraham was 75 years old. When Hagar has a child, Ishmael, Abraham is 86 years old. So we're 11 years from the promise, the promise of God. 11 years he's waiting, still no promise of God. The promise isn't fulfilled. So we're going to take the matter into our own hands. We're going to fix this problem. You know, God needs some help. If you've ever thought that, that's bad theology. God doesn't need your help. He does not need your help, okay? And so, um, as I said earlier, you know, we, we read these promises of God. We have these promises of God. They look good on paper, but when it comes time to living it out, then we, we got to step in. We got to, you know, God, you're moving a little bit too slow. But I want you to know that God wants us to believe these promises, even if it takes a long time, even if it takes a long, long time. You know, time is kind of an interesting thing with God. It reminds me of the story, the, the guy that was having a conversation with God, and he says, uh, God, you know, like, in, in your mind, in your, in your economy, how long is a million years? And the Lord says, well, a million years is just really like a second. And the guy says, well, Lord, I mean, in your economy, you know, how much is a million dollars? And the Lord says, well, a million dollars is just like a penny. And the guy thought for a second, he said, Lord, can I have one of those pennies? And the Lord said, yeah, in just a second. <laughs> so we got to believe the promises of God. You know, and sometimes, you know, the promises of God, you know, there, there are pain. There's pain that we go through while we're waiting on the promises of God. Sometimes, you know, it's, God is doing a work in us while we're waiting for him. You know, he's doing this incredible work in us. And, you know, it's not always easy. And God's trying to teach us something. He's trying to show us something. And, and so, you know, guys, you know, we, the way that we would wrap it and, and package it is um, that 
we want God, but we want all the comfort as well. And we don't want to step out of our comfort zone. And, you know, uh, I, I think it was Josh that was earlier that was talking about worship in Jordan as well, just talking about our worshiping God and how in worship we break out. And I know that, you know, when you, when you read that or you see that, you come there and, you know, uh, we sit there, you know, with our, we can sit there with our right over our left and, you know, we can just, you know, just kind of, you know, be so quiet. But I just promise you, you know, if you just kind of like, you know, listen to what God said, you know, this is not just, you know, praise and, and poetry, you know, the Psalms. Uh, there's, there's some reality to what God is saying. And if you look at the Psalms, David is a man of worship. David is a man of prayer. And I just want to tell you that, that uh, there's a scripture that says that uh, when we worship, uh, you know, it says he's given me beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning, a garment, listen to this, a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And what that means is that when you're going through a difficult time, if you'll be just begin to just stand on the promises of God and you'll begin to just worship God. I, you know, I know it's hard, you know, and you're thinking, man, this room is full of crazy people and they're out there on the edge and I don't know if I want to go that far. I don't know if I want to be with them. But you've got to get out of the boat. If you want to see the promises of God, if you want to see the glory of God, you've got to move from where you are to closer to where God is. And, you know, it starts with a little tap in your foot. You know, you can just start tapping your foot. And you can sit there, and then, it, you know, you start feeling it. You start swaying a little bit, you know, and then you can kind of, you know, lift your hands a little bit. They call that holding the baby. And, you know, uh, you know I, and, you know, we're in the fall of the year. We're going for touchdowns here pretty soon, okay? All right, you can just, you can just start worshiping God. And you, you know, just when you get excited about God, you don't care. You know, you don't care who's watching you. You don't care who's looking. You know, it's just you and God. You're just like, oh, God, I just, I mean, I'm so grateful, Lord. You've been so good to me, God. You've delivered me so many times, and you just want to break out of that, and you don't care what anybody's saying. You know, you don't care. So Abraham, we're moving on. Abraham was 99 years old, or we moved from 75 to 99, and the Lord appeared to him. Okay, we're, we're 24 years into the promise here. He's 99 years old, and the Lord appears to him, and he says, I am, the, I am God the Almighty. He says, and no longer will you, God, will you be called Abram, uh, your name will be Abraham, okay? For I made you the father of many nations. That's what Abraham means. And then God said to Abraham, and for Sarai, your wife, you will no longer call her Sarai. Her name shall be Sarah. And he says, and I will bless her and surely give, her, uh, give you a son by her, and I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations and kings and people will come from her. So watch this, guys. This is kind of cool. So God changes a letter in both of their names. Sarah, he, he adds uh, an H to both of, both of their names, uh, to Abra, Abra, Abram, to Abraham, and to Sarai, to Sarah. So he adds an H. What he does, if you look at the, the word, the, one of the names of God is Yahweh, and it's got an H in there, or Jehovah, Okay, it's got an H in there. So he takes one of the letters out of his name and puts it in each of their names. Now, I want you to just do this. Oh, you just close your eyes because, you know, you get so nervous when other people are watching you. But I want you to close your eyes and put your hand right in front of your mouth, okay? Just close your eyes, put your hand in front of your mouth, and say H. 
H. Real close. Can you feel it? H. You feel the breath coming to your hand? H. You feel that? So remember we talked about last, last week we talked about that the Old Testament talks about the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, ruach was the word for, uh, in the Hebrew word, and uh, pneuma in the, Old, in, in the New Testament, the Greek word uh, for the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. So, um, and the translators had a hard time translating that, but what it really meant was the breath. So God took something out of him, he took the breath of God and put it in their names so that they would be his people, okay? All right, you guys with me? All right, come on, come on, come on. That's worth an amen right there. All right, so, all right, Abraham's still not getting it. And Abraham fell face down and he laughed. He said, God's promised me this. I'm, a, I'm 99 years old. I'm going to be 100 by the time this kid is born. He says, will a, ch- a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? All right, and Abraham said to God, all right, he, he's saying, I got a, I, God, I got a different plan. I got a different plan. If only, all right, before it was Eleazar, he says, now, if only Ishmael may live under your blessing. And God's saying, no, it's not going to be Eleazar. Don't you know that the Bible says that my ways are not your ways and, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth or so are my ways higher than your ways and my, my, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God's saying, you know, I know you've got a plan and I know you think you're smarter than me, but you're not, okay? You just might as well go ahead and settle that right now. You are not smarter than God. Okay, and so as soon as you acknowledge that and say, God, you know, I want you to take over because I've made a mess of my life. I've made a wreck of my life. In uh, Psalms, in Psalm, I think it's 34, 7, 34.7, 37.4. All right, it's in the Bible, okay, believe me. All right, so he says that I will lead you along the best pathway for your life. I will lead, God's saying, I will lead you. Don't be like, he said, don't be like the, the, the stubborn ox or the mule. He says that have to be, have to have a bridle in their mouth. He said, I will lead you. If you trust in me, I'll lead you along the best pathway of life. So it's not Eleazar and it's not Ishmael. It's going to be Isaac. It's going to be the son of promise. It's going to be the son of promise. So, you know, guys, you know, this waiting can be, I mean, it can be uh, so, it can be such torment in, in just the waiting. And, you know, I was just thinking about just all of the songs, you know, the popular songs out there about waiting. I mean, it's in, in our culture today, just you got to wait, waiting for, you know, uh, I, I pulled a couple of them up last night just thinking about them. Now, some of these are, you know, uh, might date me, but Green Day, I've been waiting so long uh, for this moment to come. Guns and Roses, if I can't have you right now, I'll wait. Velvet Underground. I'm waiting for the man, talking about a drug dealer, foreigner. I've been waiting for a girl like you. We spend a lot of our life waiting, and we spend a lot of our life in the kingdom of God waiting, waiting for God. But, you know, the, the, the crucial thing is, you know, just how are you going to wait? How are you going to wait? Are you going to wait yelling at God, mad at God? Come on, God, come on, hurry up, God, hurry up. You know, but, you know, the, the thing is that when, 
when we're waiting, God's saying, you know, you're crying out, and you're in the middle of this wait, and you're just like, God, come on, help, help, help God. You know, and, and you know, God said, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to help you. I will help you. But we're going to learn some stuff along the way. We're going to learn some stuff. And we're like, no, God, I don't want to learn stuff. I'm just, I, I don't, I'm willing to go to heaven dumb, you know. Just, I just, just fix it. Just fix it, God. Just fix this mess that I'm in. And God said, no, 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 no. We're going to learn. We're going to learn something along the way. And you know what? God's not like the only one like that. You're like that too. I was like that. You know, when you're little kids and, you know, your kids are going to school and, you know, you go in and wake them up in the morning. They're come, come on, sweetheart, it's time to get up. No, no, I don't want to go to school today. And they're like, oh, okay, okay, you just sleep in. Maybe tomorrow we'll go to school. You know, that's the way it's going to be. You know, I, I understand, you know, you don't want to go to school. No, we don't say that. We say, get up. Get your butt out of bed. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to school. We're going to school. All right. Or the Lord appeared to Abram in the great tree of Mamre. And he was sitting at the entrance of the tent at the heat of the day. And he says, where's your wife, Sarah? And he said, she's in the tent. And then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent. Now remember, Sarah, she's approaching 90 and Abraham's approaching 100. Um, and Abraham and Sarah were already old and Sarah was well past the age of childbearing, and Sarah laughed to herself, and she thought, I am worn out, and my Lord is old, and now shall I have this pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, you know, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything, here's something really good for you guys, is anything, think about this, what you're going through right now, is anything too hard for the Lord? The Bible says that if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will quicken your mortal body. He can give life to the problem that you're facing today because nothing is too hard for the Lord. And he says, I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will, Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. And the Lord said, oh, yes, you did. You laughed. You laughed. And notice how sweet and good and merciful God is. He's like, All right, Sarah, you lying, you lying girl. I'm taking that baby away. I mean, you're not having no babies now because you're a big fat liar. No, God didn't say that. He's merciful. He's kind. All right. So let me just kind of move through this quickly uh, and wrap this up. I want to just a couple of things that you and I can learn from Sarah, okay? Uh, don't try to get ahead of, of God when he isn't moving fast enough for you. Don't try to get ahead of God. The Lord is not slow. Here's some scripture. In keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, he is patient. That's what Peter says. He's not slow, but he's patient. And be still. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Be still. You know, if you can just take, you know, if you take 10 minutes a day and just get alone in the morning or lunchtime or in the evening. Just get alone, shut off the radio, the TV, and all the social media. Get away from that. It's just like, I mean, I'm not even asking you to pray or read your Bible or anything. If you just get alone with God, it'd be good if you could do that. Just, but just get alone. Just get alone with God. Just like, Lord, here I am. Do you want to say something to me? Speak. Speak. Remember what, I think it was Eli, or uh, it was Samuel that was in the temple, and he kept hearing what he thought was the, the voice of Eli, the priest, and it turned out to be the voice of God. And uh, so after the third time, Eli says, just go back 
And when he calls your name, say, speak. Your servant hears. Your servant is listening. I want to just say that to you guys. You know, if you just get alone, get in a quiet place with God and say, speak, your servant is listening. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. In Psalm 37, 7, it says, don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. See, there are people that thought Sarah, Abraham and Sarah were crazy. There were those that, you know, that think, when you, you talk about the promises of God, what God's doing in your life, there are people that think, you know, these are evil people that think, may think that you're crazy. You're nuts for believing this kind of stuff. But you just kind of get alone. It's just you and God, and you watch. You watch who's going to have laugh, has to have the last laugh. You know, because when we, we bring, you know, people that are coming in, constantly coming in here, you know, drug addicts, and, you know, just all messed up with all kinds of sin. And the power of God, the presence of God just sets them free. They're not coming in, you know, not because I'm a great preacher or not because we have a great worship team. It's because the presence of God is here. And God is working in this place. And God is setting people free. And that's what we want to see. That's what we, and then we'll have the last laugh. We'll laugh like, you know, Abraham and Sarah, you know, that, that joyful laugh when it all comes to pass. The second thing that I think that Sarah would like for us to, to show us this morning, that when you must wait, focus on what's happening in you and not happening to you. What God, what are you doing inside of me? You're changing me. You're changing something in me. And you know, you know this, you've heard this before, that God is more interested in your comfort or in your character than he is your comfort. So, um, you know, in, in, in childbirth, you know, talking about Sarah and, and childbirth, that childbirth is one of those things that most, every time in our life when you and I are going through some kind of pain, uh, it's a sign that something needs to get fixed, that we need to get, we need to get it fixed. But when you were pregnant, now, men, you don't know anything about this except from what you heard from your wife, okay? But, you know, when a woman is pregnant, this is one time that the pain is good, okay? Because the pain is going to bring deliverance, okay? And you have to go through that kind of pain in order to get deliverance. I mean, when you break your arm, I mean, your pain is screaming, you've got to get to the doctor, you've got to get it fixed. When you've got a splinter in your finger, you've got to get someone to pluck that thing out, you've got to get it fixed. But when you're, when you're going through a pregnancy or when you're going through a spiritual pregnancy where you've got to give birth to something, God is doing something spiritually in you. you got to know that there is coming a moment when you're, you're rapidly approaching a time. And as you move forward in this thing, as you move forward in this pregnancy, you're going to see the, the intensity of pain. They're coming, you know, harder, and, you know, uh, more frequency in the pain. And, and uh, the intensity is just harder. But you know that you are getting ready to break out of this thing. And that's why the Romans says that while, while waiting does not diminish us, any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. This thing is just growing and growing in us. This baby is growing. It says, we, of course, don't see what is enlarging in us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become. Guys, this is not a wife uh, verse to give your wife when she's going through this time. This is not a comforting verse right here. The longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. Because we know that this thing is getting ready to break out and we're going to have joy in the house at least for a little while until they hit those teenage years. We're going to have joy in the house and God's going to be glorified. Amen? All right. And then James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials. 
He said, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance is that patient endurance. Patient endurance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Now, we can slow down the process. You and I can slow down the process because of our attitude toward it. But the more you embrace God, and the more you embrace what God wants to do in you, this deeper work, the faster you'll get through it. I I remember times in my life where, I mean, I just felt like I was in the pressure cooker. I just felt like I was going to explode. And, you know, and I would just cry out to God, God, enough, enough, enough. This has been going on long enough. And I felt the Holy Spirit say this to me, and I know he'd say the same thing to you. He said this to me. He said, I can stop this process right now. I can stop it right now and get you out of this today. But I promise you, that in days ahead or months ahead or years ahead, we're going to have to start all over. We're going to, all, all this time that we've already gone through, you're going to have to start the process all over, and you're going to have to start from the beginning again. Now, what do you want to do? And I said, Lord, what thou doest, do quickly. <laughs> Get me out of this thing. Get me through. Get me through it. So God's putting his nature in us. He's putting the the breath of God in us, and the final point is this morning that even our very best doesn't compare with what God has in mind. Listen to this, Isaiah chapter 64. It says, since before time began, no one has ever imagined, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who waits for him. Let me just read that again, because that's good stuff right there. Since before time began, no one has ever imagined, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God who works for those who wait for him. And it's simply just saying, guys, that these trials that we go through, these promises that we have, we have to wait for them sometimes. But it's how are you going to wait? Are you going to wait patiently? Lord, what do you want me to do? I mean, I can sit there and I can, I can be mad, I can be grumpy, I can, you know, um, you know, yell at my wife and, you know, at the kids, or I can just say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What am I supposed to do while I'm waiting? And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, he's talking about, you know, I was sick and in prison. I was naked and I was hungry. And, uh, you know, uh, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So while you're waiting, it's like, Lord, I, I know I'm waiting, and, and it's, it's frustrating. I don't like waiting, but I'm going to set my, my, my priorities aside, and I'm just going to listen to you. Holy Spirit, what is it? I'm going to get alone. I'm just going to listen to you. Speak. Your servant is listening. What is it you want me to do while I'm waiting? While I'm waiting, what is it you want me to do? Won't you stand with me, please? So I want you to just, if you would, just bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute. I want to just tell you that God's got a much better plan for your life, much better than you could even think or imagine. And God loves you this morning. You know, that we know that the Bible says that God sees the end from the very beginning. He sees the end of you. Just like he sees the very beginning of you 
not only the beginning of your life, but the beginning of your life with Him. I'm going to just tell you that God doesn't love the future you more than He loves the present you. He doesn't look down the road and say, oh yeah, I see how they're going to be. They're going to be sweet and reading their Bible, praying all the time, witnessing. Oh, I just sort of love that person. This guy right here is such a jerk. That's not what God's saying. God, God, he loves the, the present you just as, they much, just as much as he loves the future you, what you're going to look like when you pass through all of this. He loves you just the way that you are today. And he's just asking you, just with your head bowed and your eyes closed, won't you come? Won't you come? Would you come today? Would you come? He's speaking to you today. Would you come today? Would you come into the kingdom? God's calling you. Do you want to come in? Would you raise your hand if you want to come into the kingdom today? If you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray with you, those of you that raised your hand, and if you would just simply say, Lord, I made a mess of my life, and uh, I've tried it my way. God, I'm willing to try it your way. I'm asking Jesus to come into my life and lead me along that best pathway of life. I'm going to receive you as my Lord and Savior this morning. I'm asking you that you would wash me in the blood of the Lamb. Forgive all of my sins, my trespasses, my iniquities. God, that you would come in and take charge of my life. Fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me to live a life that would bring honor and glory to your name. Help me to live a life worthy of the call. For those of you that been waiting for promises this morning promise of a better relationship or a relationship better marriage for those of you that struggling financially you're waiting for a job or a better job for those of you that are struggling in health right now you want to see God move in your in your physical body those of you that are crying out for the prodigals in your family or in your life you're like, God, how long? How long will I see this? My eyes see this and my heart is broken and it grieves me. Lord, how long? How long? It was the cry of the psalmist constantly. How long, O oh Lord? But God, your word is faithful and you are faithful, God. And you are faithful to do the things that you said that you would do. God, I just pray that you would hear the cries. Your word says that you will not neglect the cry of the afflicted. Your word says that the ears of the Lord are open. They are attentive to the cry of those that are hurting and broken. Those that are afflicted, your ear is attentive to their cry. So, Lord, we just ask that you would just move on behalf of those that are crying out to you this morning. God, that you would move and show yourself strong. Your word says the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for those whose hearts are right before you so you can show yourself strong on their behalf. Lord, I'm asking you this morning, and your people are crying out, God, show yourself strong on my behalf. Show yourself strong, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, that you would be glorified in our lives, be glorified in this place. And God's people shouted, Amen, Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. God bless you guys. Okay, so let me just say a quick prayer over the food. We're going to go right out those doors, and you can grab a a dish and a plate. We want to thank those that Michelle and all of her helpers this morning that helped prepare the food. God, we're so grateful. We know that 
All things come from your good hand, Father. And uh, Lord, we just bless you for providing food for us today. Ask that you bless our time and our fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you.